Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we discuss wins for Herman, Horsfield and Lewis and look ahead to the FedEx Cup playoffs. We also chat to Simon Holt, a golfer who has played all of the world's top 100 courses. Hi, I'm Paul McGinley and you're listening to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, brought to you by our friends at Titleist, the number one ball in golf. To find out more, go to titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark and this week I'm only joined by one person, but what a person it is. It's Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? <laughs> yeah, hi Tom. Good morning. Uh, looking forward to hearing how your amazing day went with went yesterday. And uh, yeah, looking forward to a big week of golf. Yeah, Elliot, I had a great day yesterday at Wentworth, had a golf lesson, which I really, really did need because I played golf on Friday in uh, my cricket club's golf society uh, charity day, and I played absolutely appallingly. So um, it was very good timing uh, that I had a lesson and a fitting, and then even had some incredible, uh, played three holes on the Wentworth West with Paul McGinley last yesterday evening and it was glorious sunshine so had a fantastic day yesterday uh, lots of content appearing on the golf monthly youtube channel in the in the nearest future but yeah it was an incredible experience and hopefully my golf game has been turned around and i now will be able to uh, actually stop hitting it through my legs so um yeah no it, it was it was awesome elliot did you play at the weekend oh that's amazing tom uh yeah i played friday evening and uh Starting to hit the ball a lot better now, which is really good. I this is not a plug or anything like that, but I was actually reading the latest issue of Golf Monthly about um, getting your hands ahead of the ball at address, and uh, yeah, that, that's just really helped my striking. So that's good. Uh, I did have a horrendous putting uh, afternoon though, but then birdied the last in the darkness to win our match after basically choking the whole back nine, which is good. A good effort because you've got some. You usually have some mental blocks, don't you, uh, on, on that last hole at West Byfleet? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not been kind to you over the years, has it? Uh, no, probably not. That's a fair way of saying it. But, um, yeah, so you, you had a lesson yesterday. Yes. Has, has that made you keen to have more lessons and really start uh, working on your game? I, yeah, well, it's, it's, it, you know, it's one of those things where I've never had a golf lesson before. And if anyone's seen me swing a golf club, you could probably tell I've never had a golf lesson before. Um <laughs> And it was just really good. You know, it was just, it was great. And uh, it really like opened my eyes to a completely new way of thinking around my golf swing, which is, which is what I needed. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's great. I mean, I, he was asked me to do, you know, to try and hit the ball in a, in a completely different way. And I thought, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this. And, and it worked. So it was fantastic. Yeah, as, you, as you know, I have a horrendous snap hook. Um, and to actually solve that, he was making me try and hit it further left, um, or, or make it feel like I was trying to hit it further left. And um, yeah, and it really sorted out a lot of things. So um, yeah, it was great. It was great to see. You'll be able to see the, I think that almost the whole lesson and uh, the advice that he gave me in, yeah, in the near future on the, on the Golf Monthly YouTube channels. And I think we'll put them, put them all over social media. I'm sure. So uh, but it did mean that on, on the first tee. At Wentworth, where I was playing three holes with Paul McGinley, and I was obviously very, very nervous about this. I did actually manage to uh, to uh, hit one 
pretty solidly and just to the left-hand side of the fairway. So, you know, I was absolutely over the moon with that, to be honest with you, because I was a bit nervous. <laughs> so, Paul McGinley gave this amazing advice about hitting out of rough, about um, trying to hit a, a fade. He says, always hit a fade out of rough and bunkers and things like that. And I hit, I, I'm pretty sure, the best shot I've ever hit with a hybrid out of reasonably thick rough uh, on the third I went with, and I, I from about, yeah, so it was about 100, and, must have been 195 yards, and I hit it onto the green. Wow. Out of the rough. It was absolutely amazing, just from his, what he told me to do. So, uh, yeah, it was really, really good. It was amazing. Yeah, uh, seeing, seeing you hit a fade would be a, a huge transformation, because <laughs> to, to describe to listeners, it's probably, I would imagine you swing it a bit like you play cricket, with a very strong left-hand grip. Uh, and the, the only times you've ever probably hit a fade was uh, by accident when it goes about 50 yards right. But uh, it'd be uh, nice to see that transformation. And I, I hope that you're starting to invest more in your golf game. Well, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I do actually want to go to the range, which I haven't wanted to go to, to, to the range for a long time. So That's um, quality. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely want to go and uh, try and uh, keep doing what I was told yesterday. So, yeah, it's cracking. Really good. Really good. Really positive. And, uh uh, yeah, probably more positive about my golf game than I have done in a long time. So that was great. Um, some other people who will be feeling very positive about their golf game are the winners from the weekend. And we had some some names which probably wouldn't usually be at the top of the leaderboards do very well. Uh, starting with on the PGA Tour, the Wyndham Championship, which was, was of course, the final regular uh, PGA Tour event before the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, this coming week, uh, and Jim Herman won his third PGA Tour title by one stroke from Billy Horschel. He shot 61-63 on the weekend, which is pretty good going, let's face it. Um, and so he shot 16 under par over that weekend to finish at 21 under par. Uh, the 42-year-old moves up from 192nd to 54th in the FedEx Cup rankings and uh, guarantees himself at least two FedEx Cup playoff events. He also moves up to 91st in the world from being 318th. So, Elliot, what do we know about Jim Herman? Well, uh, yeah, incredible win for this guy who, who I remember him winning in 2016. I, I didn't actually know that he won last year at the Barbasol, which is like an opposite field, smaller PJ Tour event. Uh, and yeah, you just thought he's a, he's a bit of a journeyman. I think he was 38 at the time when he won. And, and you, I guess I thought I'd never really hear from him again. But when, when you win twice, uh, at this level, which is another huge tournament that he's won there. Uh, he's clearly a very great golfer. And, yeah, looking back at his career, like fair play to me, he's a complete journeyman, you would have to say, that he's, he's overperforming. He he admits it himself that he doesn't hit the ball like the other guys. He's 42 now. And he actually started out as an assistant pro. He was at Trump Bedminster Golf Club in uh, New Jersey as the uh, assistant pro there. And it was actually Donald himself who persuaded him to um, follow his dream to chase the PGA Tour. So, uh, so you'd have to say that Trump has <laughs> has uh, really helped him out there. And apparently, he's played with Donald Trump quite a lot. He's good friends with him and, and he, with his celebrity guests and, and whatnot. And he yeah, started out on uh, the Golden Bear Tour, I think, back in like two thousand and one, uh, and yeah, worked his way up onto the main stage. 
Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing story, isn't it? I mean, all those stories about uh, Donald Trump always <laughs> are very interesting, and um, some people will take it one way and others will take it another, won't they? But, um, you know, fair play, I think, the stories that he's managed to work his way up through the rankings, you know, uh, from being, you know, as you say, reasonably a lowly assistant pro to suddenly being a multi-winner on the PJ Tour. So fair play to him. Um, and, we, and we did think about this could happen at the Wyndham Championship because the course isn't overly long, is it? Um, so it actually means that all the all the guys who maybe don't hit it as far as some of the other uh, young bucks on, 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 on tour could actually compete, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think he averaged about 298 in the final round, which is above what he usually hits. So obviously a guy like Jim Herman is not going to win every week, but there will be moments where he finds his brilliance. And to shoot 16 under on the weekend, under pressure, yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, really nice story. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's face it, he, 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 <laughs> he only played 124 strokes over the weekend. I mean, there's not. I don't think there's many other players that have ever done that, has have they? Uh, no, yeah, you're probably right. That is that is outrageous golf, isn't it? So you know, he's he's actually gone out and won it, hasn't he? You know, it hasn't been handed on on a plate to him at all. And I know, I know, Billy Horshaw was actually very much in contention going down the stretch, and I thought when I when I turned first turned on to watch, uh, I really thought Horshaw was go, was going to win. I don't know about you, Elliot. Did, uh, yeah, I guess he made a really sloppy bogey on 16, which mm. is a par three that he probably only had eight iron into. And then Herman absolutely stiffed it on 17. And you thought, well, it's Herman's to lose now. And he looked like he's going to birdie 18 as well, which is over 500 yards par four. Um, yeah, like I said, it was just Herman's day, wasn't it? He finds yeah. these pockets of brilliance. And, uh, and another thing as well, he's won all three of his titles by one stroke. So that just shows you that uh, whilst he might not be the best ball striker in the world, he's a fantastic competitor. Yeah, absolutely. What, what you need more to, to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and fair play to him. And now he's, you know, really opened the doors. You know, he could have a fantastic end to the, to the year, you know, with, with um, the amount of money that is around in the FedEx Cup playoffs, you know, to get into those, you know, guaranteed at least two events. Uh, you know, you only need one more very good performance and suddenly, you know, you really had a fantastic year. So um, good luck to him. And someone else who's having a fantastic year is Sam Horsfield, who um, won his second European Tour title in three weeks with a two-stroke victory um, at the Celtic Classic being played, of course, at Celtic Manor. Uh, the Englishman who moved to Orlando at the age of five finished at 18-under with Belgian Tom Stetry in second at 16-under. Horsfield is now up to 80th in the world and top of the UK Swing Order of Merit, meaning he has earned his US Open spot. Uh, 23-year-old looks a phenomenal talent, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. I didn't know too much about him, really, until the last few weeks. And you, you just think, how on earth has he not been winning from the moment he's turned pro? I think he's been pro now for about three years, uh, struggled with his game a little bit. And I remember there was a time where he was taking a minute or so just to hit the ball because he, he was clearly having some mental troubles. Uh, but yeah, when you see him play like that, just just so good. I mean, I watched basically every day in, in Wales and yeah, he, he was pretty much flawless. I think he bogeyed, sorry, he triple bogeyed the 17th on day two, then eagled the very next hole and then went bogey free for the weekend. So just shows you that he's a great competitor and a winner. And uh, yeah, really impressive.
And, and as you say, you know, he, it's not. We all probably thought that he was going to do better than he actually did when he first turned pro. You know, he's obviously a very good, talented player, but sometimes it does take a little while for these players to settle in. We've seen that for you know, obviously the the famous story is Justin Rose, obviously, you know, where he missed all those those consecutive cuts uh, in a row, but then actually he got his head round being a tour pro and obviously of course then on went on to win a major and for example and be an absolute you know one of the stars of world golf so yeah really fantastic to see Horsfield do so well I mean he's had the last four weeks he's had a tenth first miscut and then a first you know he's he's obviously in very very good form isn't he um and it's great that he's he's no he's maybe changed his his game around, his whole career around with these these few weeks, isn't he? Because now he's on the US Open. If he has a good US Open, you know, that opens up even more doors, doesn't it? So um, great to see that he's in the world's top 100. And, you know, the UK swing has been fantastic, hasn't it? For the, It's given these guys a real chance to actually push their careers forward, which they just wouldn't have had if it hadn't happened. Oh, completely, yeah. It's... Uh... Yeah, fair play to the tour. Like, like they haven't been the most lucrative events, but but yeah, they're keeping the guys active. We're, we're seeing with Horsfield and with the other guys that have won the world ranking points uh, are amazing, basically, and, and qualifying for the US Open as well, which is going to happen for ten players at the end of this week as well, which is great. So, so yeah, really good. Yeah, absolutely. And there's um, there's been some news, obviously, yesterday that the PGA Championship at Wentworth has actually been moved forward a week, hasn't it? So actually, there's going. We've still got a nice bit of a UK-ish swing still to come after the US Open, haven't we? Yeah. So I think it goes to Spain and Portugal after the Belfry next week, and then comes back to Ireland. So Ireland will be or Northern Ireland, sorry, will be hosting the Irish Open at Galgum Castle. Then it is uh, Wentworth, I think, and then the Scottish Open, or it may be Scottish. I think it's the Scottish yeah, that's right. Because the the Dunhill Links Championships actually um, actually been cancelled, hasn't it, for this year? So we've still got that nice three weeks. I think that I think the uh, the the PJ at Wentworth just mean move forward that week just because of sunlight and stuff like that. Because obviously the sun does start setting quite early at that part of year. You know, it's start of October, so. Um, but I think it's great that we're still going to be able to see some more great golf being played on, you know, GB and Ireland uh, uh, courses. You know, it's, it's it's great, isn't it? And it's been such a tough year. And I'll tell you what, I was at, obviously, I was at, I've already said I was at Wentworth yesterday and it was looking absolutely pristine. And um, I think it's great that we're going to see some, some tour golf there in the very near future. Yeah, definitely. Wentworth is, uh, as you know, very close to my heart. Grew up very near to it and, there quite a bit as a junior and just absolutely love it and hopefully yeah with, with this UK swing we can see a lot of these events returning next year and, and hopefully we can have some British fans out because we always hear the players say that British fans are some of the best in the world and I, I would completely agree with that. Brilliant so uh, also last week we had another winner uh, in the form of American Stacey Lewis who won her first title in three years at the Ladies Scottish Open. The two-time major winner and former world number one birdied the first extra hole to win in a playoff against Pedersen, Munoz and Knight. It was also her first victory since becoming a mother in October 2018. Great again to see the women's game getting some headlines and um, yeah it sounded like a really great event. Yeah, it's such a, a young women's game, you'd have to say now. So it's really good to see what you'd have to say is uh, an elder statesman in, in Stacey Lewis win. 
Uh, obviously, like you said, the former world number one major winner. Uh, really good. She's on a good run of form. So I think she was 10th the week before. And uh, yeah, got it done against some some youngsters. Um, Azahara Munoz was in it as well. I guess she's a little bit more experienced. But yeah, Lewis, I think, has won the, the uh, British Open as well. So perhaps a pick for this week in good form. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to preview all the events this coming week, uh, including the Women's British Open, right after we've heard from uh, Neil Tappin, who was speaking to Simon Holt. Now, Simon Holt is someone who has played uh, a lot of very good golf courses. There's a very famous ranking, top 100 courses in the world ranking, and he's played every single one of those courses. So he actually uh, spoke to Neil and picked his favourite 18 holes in the world from around all those golf courses that he's played. So check out and uh, see if you've played any of those holes. Okay, Simon. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, before we get going, can you just, so that everyone watching this or listening to it can get an idea of your your background, why it is that I've contacted you as somebody that might know a thing or two about the best 18 holes in golf? As of last year, uh, May last year, I completed the World Top 100 golf courses. Um, I think I was the 45th person worldwide and the, the first person from the UK to uh, to play one of the World Top 100 lists um, by one of the US publications. And it's an incredible achievement. I mean, you've travelled far and wide to, to do it, haven't you? Yeah, there's certainly an incredible amount of travel, like lots of fun. I'm not expecting anyone to feel sorry for me, but uh, a huge amount of travel and some crazy... Uh, I, w- I wouldn't bore you with uh, right now because we're going to talk about some great golf holes, but some really interesting legs and chasing all over America for the most part. But um, then also trips out to Asia and sort of flying to Korea for a couple of days and Japan for a few days, flying down to Australia for one day and uh, flying from there to South Africa for one day, then home to the UK. So <laughs> this, uh, that's another conversation all in itself. But it was wonderful fun. And it was uh, I finished in at Montfontaine, uh, just outside Paris, uh, which is a wonderful uh, place to finish. And two of my best golfing friends joined me. And uh, that was a lovely way to finish. It was really good fun. Yeah, and I should probably say at this point that you did a podcast with the No Laying Up guys. That yeah. Those listening to this, watching this, uh, is well worth listening to because you go into all of that stuff in detail. You talk about your favourite golf courses. You talk about those experiences that you've just, been to, um, you just mentioned here. But in this video, we want to look at the You've put together basically a, a card of your favourite 18 holes, right? Yes. And as you said to me earlier, you could have just put the, the back nine at Augusta in, but we haven't done that. <laughs> and you know, it's not, we're not saying in any way this is kind of definitively the best 18 holes in golf, but it's a sort of conversation starter, isn't it? Definitely. What I tried to do when you, you kindly messaged me last week was that I tried to, to set myself a couple of rules. So it's almost like my best eclectic world 18. I used whichever hole I used had to be that number of hole from that course. And once I used the course once, I couldn't use that again. And it's so my opening hole is the first hole at Macrahanish. And I, I'm not the first or the last to say that as one of the greatest first holes in golf. And um, I think the name is Battery. I think it's called Battery, um, which is quite an apt description of the teeing ground. So it's wonderful, yeah. wonderful teeing ground. It's about 420. And it almost cut off as much as you dare across uh, the bay. And I'm not sure what body of water, what would it be, either the Irish Sea or the, or the, the Atlantic to the left. Um, and you've got this wonderful drive where you try to cut off. 
and you'll run through the fairway if you don't try and ensure a bit of the dog leg off. You're out on them, kind of this raised pedestal almost of a tee, and it's just a wonderful start to any round of golf. Okay, so from uh, the west coast of Scotland, we're now heading mm -hmm. over to the US and the National yeah. Golf Links of America. Yes, so the second hole, um, again, it's a tough one because there's lots of great holes at National. Um, National Golf Links America is uh, at Butts Shinnecock. Um, yes. Most people have heard of Shinnecock and most real hardcore golf course enthusiasts will have heard of National and they had the Walker Cup there in 2013. But the course was laid out by Charles Blair McDonald, C.B. McDonald, that was um, a good St. Andrews graduate like you and I, Neil. And um, this was his sort of duff of the cap to the Sahara hole. So you hit, uh, it's only about 290, so it's very drivable because of the shape of the hole. So you hit over a blind ridge, which is um, sort of scattered with bunkers, and you've got the famous windmill to the left, which is actually a water tower that masquerades as a windmill to the left. And that's very much in your mind. You don't want to hook one and hit some of the, the blades of the, the windmill. But if you do get over the top, you hit a down slope, and it, it runs out onto this huge putting surface. Uh, and then from there... Just a short hop over to New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, and this, one of the most this, incredible looking golf courses. I mean, I've only yeah. you, you've been lucky enough to play it. I've only I've only seen photographs, but the photographs I've seen just look unreal. Yeah, it, it's certainly uh, one of those quiet nights in during lockdown to to flick through the Tariti website. So Tariti is the golf course, and it's a relative newcomer, and it's just absolutely phenomenal. It's one of these courses that are played had to have a cold shower afterwards and really think about what I wanted to say before we got too carried away. And then I was like, no, no, this is definitely one of the best courses in the world. So I actually rank it in my top three courses anywhere. Uh, I really think of it that highly. Um, and the third hole at Tariti is just this lovely 440-yard uh, par four. And like lots of it's a Tom Dote design who I'm a big fan of. And like lots of his courses, it's, um, the common theme is big, wide, firm, fast fairways. So you need to really hug the right-hand side here, but there's a big sandy waste area um, with you know native vegetation. Um, and, but if you stay on the fairway, you don't quite have a look at the green. Um, it's a, a fantastic punch ball green buried down this big sort of Rumpelstiltskin fairway. And um, whereas if you pull your drive slightly to the left, you're left with a sort of do or die shot and your caddy will run up to the top of the hill and you hit over this huge dune. Just think like the, the fourth hole at Royal St. George's for, for any UK golfers that have played there. That sort of height of June off the tee is almost like the second shot into Tariti and this beautiful punch ball green. And what's great is you can sort of chase a shot around the right-hand side and it'll run or funnel down. And there's lots of um, sideboards and backboards to work your shot off. But it's just a wonderful hole, a great green. And the whole time you've got this incredible backdrop of the South Pacific. Um, it's yeah. very, very special. And so from there, go back to Scotland. Yeah. Just north of Aberdeen, Cruden Bay. Yeah, definitely. So I think the, four, the fourth hole at Cruden Bay is my fourth hole. And again, you, you've, you've started off at Cruden Bay. The third hole is wonderful and quirky, uh, short drivable par four. And then you step onto this tee and you greet with this gorgeous view down to the left, quite a significant drop down to a harbour with sort of fishing boats, a small inlet. And then you've got this 190, 195 yard shot of a, a significant uh, crater in the dune system, if you like, uh, to a green over there. It's a real do or die shot and long is better than short, absolutely. And there's a bit of a backstop to bring you back, but it's, it's a start of such a wonderful run at Cruden Bay. And I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, Scotland and the UK had good representation here, but I, I really do feel that belongs. 
So from there, over to Australia. Uh, and I've not played any golf in Australia. So and I, I, I did know about one of the other Australian golf courses you've chosen, but not so much about New South Wales, Wales even though they've had big tournaments there, haven't they? Yeah, they have. It really took my breath away, this golf course. Again, it's by the water, and I'm not always blinded by views, but on this occasion, they're hard to beat. And um, on the tee, you stand there, and you've got maybe about a 270 carry, which is, is not in my uh, locker, to get to a downslope that leaves you quite a short shot into this par five. It's only about 520 in total. But for most uh, for most mortals, you'll you'll maybe get just to the edge of the to the of the drop off down the fairway, and you've got this incredible view, almost like a carpet laid out in front of you, right down to the water and this rocky outcrop, and you've just got the whole Southern Ocean out there in front of you, sort of next stop Antarctica. But it, I mean, that's another one to Google. New South Wales and the fifth hole in particular is, is very special. Then next one is the sixth at Royal Melbourne, and Royal Melbourne hosted Presidents Cup, didn't it? Yes, towards the end of last year. It's, it's an Alistair McKenzie layout, if you like. Um, and it's just a wonderful, again, it's one of my world top three, along with Tariti and a Scottish course we'll get to later. Um, and he used the, McKenzie laid the course out around a couple of prominent dune ridges. So the fourth a par five, then you have a, a par three as the fifth and the sixth place off the dune. Dogs legs left to right, heavily bunkered on the inside of the corner. And this green just sits perfectly back into another dune uh, around the corner. And the greens there are super fast, perfect, as you will have seen on, on the television. The edging of the bunkers is absolutely incredible. Uh, it just looks like someone's taken a razor down all of the bunkers that cut into the greens. Um, you, you've never seen better maintained bunkers than in, in the Melbourne Sandbelt. Next one, uh, one of the, I guess, the, the hardest ones to get onto. Is that fair to say, Pine Valley? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a side story to this one around the Walker Cup. Um, Marion, I'll make it very, very short. Just uh, I basically bumped into someone at a bar um, at Marion at the Walker Cup in the clubhouse, uh, which is as good a spot as any to find someone to, to get onto the next place. And um, his brother does the true work at Pine Valley. And he says, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, well, not very much. And he goes, would, would you like to join my brother and I? He gets one four ball um, every month at Pine Valley on a Monday and no one else will be on the course because basically the maintenance day. And I just said, next question, I'm in. The seventh hole, which I've chose, is uh, famous for Hell's Half Acre. So, I mean, this is a 460-yard beast off the very back. I'm, I'm guessing we did play it from there, but a good drive. And then you're faced with this sort of uphill carrier with a Hell's Half Acre, which in golf course architecture circles is as famous as the Road Hall Bunker or Hell Bunker at St. Andrews. And your second shot has to is a long shot, sort of a hybrid long iron to clear um, Hell's Half Acre, and then you have you know a short iron into a green that's still surrounded by sand. But you know, tough doesn't always make great. Quite uh, the opposite, I usually find. But yeah, yeah. in this case, it's a great hole. Um, would this be one of the? This would be one of the toughest holes on the on the course. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, yeah. This is a real toughie, and it's a, this is one of the courses where I, I could have had a handful of holes easily. Yeah, and actually, you have gone for quite a brutal finish to the front nine because I'm just looking at yeah. eight and nine. Mm -hmm. um, t t talk through. I mean, eight is one of the mo most photographed iconic holes in the world, isn't it? People yeah. know this one. Um, talk about it for us. Yeah, so hopping from sort of the Philadelphia area over to to California and Pebble Beach. So again, there's the great secret, and I'll, I'll say it, is there's a few holes at Pebble that 
I don't really care for, but this is one I think would uh, would stand on any golf course in the world. The eighth at Pebble, you're down at the lowest, well, not maybe the lowest, but the most isolated part of the course. You play the famous drop shot par three seventh, and you're stood there, and you can't really hear or see anything else other than the, the sound of the waves and the birds and things. And so you hit um, what for me was a hybrid that day up on top. I think I was left with as much as a four iron in my hand to this tiny green. And it's, you know, there's so many holes that you dream of playing. It might be your only chance. And that's the only time I've played Pebble. And to pull off a shot, which fortunately I did that time. I didn't play very well that day. But it was one of the few good shots I hit was the shot that I wanted to hit. And it somehow ended up on the green and an outside chance for Bernie, which I didn't make. But it's such a tough shot to tiny greens at Pebble as well. But in terms of iconic holes, it's right up there at the top of the list as the mo- one of the most memorable I've played anywhere. Well, the next well, the next the next course you've gone for is Royal County Down. Yeah, you know, definitely one of the best golf courses in the world. Definitely one of the most, I guess, probably one of the hardest golf courses in the world as well. Yeah. Um, and the ninth, the spires of the buildings in the town are the only things you can see, along with the the Mourne Mountains behind. And just an incredible hole, and you hike up a hill to get over the ridge. Yes. But it takes your breath away because you're a wee bit tired. But then it just the the ground falls away from you, and it's a good seemed like a good 150 feet below you back to the level of the clubhouse but if you're down the right you're blocked out by a dune and the sort of lion's mouth bunker at the front of the green really tough angle so you really do need to be down the left half of the fairway and then you've, you've still got a tough second shot into sort of almost like an upturned saucer sort of like a turtle back almost like a pinehurst style green you've gone from one of the most well-known and iconic links golf courses in the uk to one of the most well-known and iconic inland golf courses in the uk Sunningdale old um, definitely one of the most beautiful places to play golf isn't it yeah i just think it's your quintessential charming english sort of peatland golf hole and you stand there in a slightly elevated tee that they uh, the ninth is this sort of the short drivable par four and you're there almost one of the highest uh, parts of the property it would seem yeah. like anyway this great view and you know you, you've got the banter coming up at the, the great halfway hut at uh, Sunningdale with a sausage and, and whatnot. Possibly, but, um, possibly the best halfway hut in the world. I mean, it's unconfirmed, but it's definitely a nomination. <laughs> it's top, it's top, what I would call top five, absolutely. But, um, it's just a cracker of a par four. It's a, it's a stunner. And, you know, you've obviously got the, the heather down either side. And uh, from memory, you've maybe got about three bunkers um, that are right in the driving zone. And then for your second shot, if you've navigated those for your second shot, it's quite deceptive. There's certainly one bunker on the left that's a lot shorter um, from the putting surface than it, uh, it looks like at first glance. So from Sunningdale, back you're going back to the Hamptons again. <laughs> yeah, so back to Shinnecock. And I, I think lots of people will have possibly seen this hole on the television. Um, so uh, the 11th of par three, it's only about 150 yards. So it's quite innocuous on the scorecard, but you stand there and, you know, short to mid iron at most. I think I sort of played a nine iron that day, uh, but it's quite elevated. And I fortunately hit an okay shot. And it's one of these holes, I think, once you've played it once, you're probably more scared of it the second time round. <laughs> you stand on the 12th tee, having finished the hole, and you look at it, and it's almost like a tablecloth at the top of a volcano. It just drops off on every single side. That leads on very nicely to the 12th, actually. My 12th hole is Augusta. So back-to-back short par threes, you stand there, and not only do you have the fear of failure of what should be quite an easy shot with a short iron in hand, but you have all the memories of seeing the television um, uh, report back all these grand failures over the year as well. 
when you get down to the 12th hole, that's when I really feel you're in that moment of, I can't believe I'm finally here. Um, it's pretty, it's very special and it's a tough, tough shot. When you think this might be the only time I get to hit this shot. <laughs> Don't duff it. Don't duff it. Yeah. Um, so from there, the next golf course I know is one that's very close to your heart. It's where you've yeah. grown up playing your golf and it's, well, it's one of the it's one of the great golf courses of the world, but this is definitely one of the great holes on the golf course, isn't it? Yes, it's actually the 13th hole at North Berwick, and North Berwick West Links is, is my home course. It's where I, um, my parents still live in North Berwick to this day, and, and that's where I grew up playing my golf. Um, I think you and I have played around there together, which was fun a long, long time ago now. Um, I just think it's got – I'm slightly biased, but I just think it's got one of the world's great, truly great back nines especially from a match play standpoint. There's just a little bit of everything. Each hole is different from one before or after. And the 13th is infamous because of a wall that lots of people say cuts in front of the green. It's almost asymmetric that yes. you play down a fairway, then over the wall that's uh, sheltered one side by a dune and, and the beach and then the wall. And looking back down the hole, you get a real appreciation. The green's actually quite flat, but it's in that sense, very, very hard to read. It's very subtle. I always feel like with it, the thirteenth the in North Berwick, it's a bit like the seventeenth at St Andrews, and that if you were to try and build that hole now, people might look at you and say, "Well, you tried to kind of." It's a bit, but because it's got this sort of history behind it, because it's been there yeah. for such a long time, and it's kind of it just shows how the golf course has kind of has sort of emerged over time. It, I think it would be a wonderful place to have something like the Walker Cup just yeah. because the whole back nine especially is just a wonderful match play golf course. And for TV, it looked great, manageable size with the crowds. But just to see how the top amateurs in the world dealt with those holes, quite quirky holes along that back nine, uh, would be wonderful to see. It would be. It would be a great walk-up anyway. I totally agree. And then, as I say, so on to, from North Berwick, Berwick to Royal Dornock, another one that should be on everybody's bucket list, fly to Inverness, drive a little bit further north it's not that hard to get to and it is well worth it isn't it when you get there oh neil absolutely I, I implore everybody to to get in your car and drive if you live in scotland or fly from london there's regular flights from inverness and for me the 14th hole known as foxy um, it's a bunkerless par four and you hit your drive sort of an angled drive and if you run through the fairway you've got big lumpy bumpy rough uh, with sort of mini dunes almost and if you keep down the left hand side of the fairway you have the best angle to the green but the green on first inspection always seems to be like 25 yards too far to the right. So you have to sort of sling this shot up over these, you know, sort of small dunes, um, for want of a better expression, to this raised green. It's almost maybe 10, 15 foot raised at the end of the fairway. And on a direct line, it's almost a vertical upslope. So it's a really hard, even though the surface is quite generous in size, it's a really tough one to hit in two. And it's, it's just a great example of how simple, great golf course design can be. On to the next course. And you're going to have to enlighten me on this one because this was new to me. I, I tried to keep the list as well, courses that most people will have heard of. Uh, and to, from most point, it, it would have been the true list anyway. This one, um, I just think it's a cracking course club uh, and hole. So it's called Ohupi Match Club. So this is one of my favorite bits of golf stash that's just in my bookshelf here in my office. But you can see the uh, it's built on an old onion farm, so it's a great logo. Um, so it's an old onion farm, so it's sand-based, and it's about 90 minutes inland from Savannah, a couple of hours south of Georgia. Gilhans design, it's called Ohupi Match Club. 
and it's this gorgeous sort of dog leg left to right uh, par four. You'll run out of fairway with a two and aggressive a drive. So you maybe hit hybrid or three wood, and then you're on a slight down slope hitting up uh, with you know about 150 yards to a green that's again surrounded by bunkers. And it's just it, the green just hugs the ground perfectly, and it's a really wonderful golf hole. So the next one would would again would be one of the most photographed, I guess, golf holes in the world, isn't it? I mean, we're back on 17 mile drive, but not Pebble Beach this time. Yeah, uh, this will be an obvious obvious one to most people, and even if um, even if golfers don't think they've seen this golf hole, they probably have. So it's uh, 200. I think it's about 230. You, you have to just stand and deliver. And again, the pressure's there because you know it's probably the only time you're ever going to play this hole. Presumably, you, you you would usually play that hole with quite a stiff breeze as well, would you? Yes, because you're right there in the Pacific and it's quite often it's into the wind because the, the wind will be coming um, towards the coast. Um, so it is a good old tip. Okay, so we're going back to Scotland now, but you couldn't really leave this hole off any list of, best 18 holes could you no again it might be an obvious one but it's an obvious one for a reason so the, the 17th at st andrews at the old course the the famous road hole has to be there and from the tee that um we would normally play off about 470 yards the pros of now as we all, most of us know snuck the other side of the old railway line onto um the, almost the back of the driving range to extend it to about 490 i think um, but, you know, you hit over the, the, the old train sheds, the, the green part of the hotel. Um, and if you're sort of lucky enough to hit the fairway, your trouble's only just begun because you've got this tough shot into a green. And then if you can somehow hit the green, the green's actually um, tilted to a greater extent than a lot of people give it credit for. So once you're on the green, you do have some quite sort of swingy putts sort of right to left if you're yes. putting towards the, um, the what is the medal tee for 18. Um, so it's a tough green if you're lucky enough to get on it. And then, you know, being at University of St. Andrews and, and played since then, probably played it 150 times. And I don't think I've hit the green more than maybe 10 times, um, usually due to bad drives. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really as tough as it says on the tin. But what a great offer. It's the sort of hole that you really enjoy playing and you enjoy the challenge of when yeah. you play social golf. But when you're playing any sort of competition golf or you've got a card in your hand, you've got a good score going, it's just suddenly just takes on a whole new level of difficulty, doesn't it? Because you just you, yeah. you just start second guessing yourself with every move you make. So off the tee, how far right are you going to go? Well, with a card in your hand, you start aiming well left. And that, as you say, that just brings in so many tr- issues for oh, your second yeah. shot. And I think as well, and um, I sometimes talk about to friends, there's a handful of holes in the world that are that tough and they just get in your head. Two or three holes before you've got there, you're already thinking about it. And they're such tough holes, they actually affect your performance on the holes leading up to it. Um, and then your final hole, your 18th hole, you've gone for, for the 18th at Muirfield. Yeah, so um, – Muirfield is one of my world top three along with Tariti and Royal Melbourne West and again there's a handful of holes that, that I could have picked from Muirfield I just feel that the 18th for me um, growing up watching the Open like all of us here in the UK I just think it's just this picture perfect yeah. 18th, the best 18th hole in championship golf having been lucky enough to play all the Open venues and I just think it's phenomenal. But to drive off, you know, you've got these big bunkers down the left you've got one bunker on the right if you bail out to avoid the bunkers on the left 
um, down in East Lothian at that stretch, the, the wind predominantly goes either west-east or east-west. So that, that's a crosswind shot for your approach to the green. Um, if you've been lucky enough that your foursomes partner has put you in the fairway and you're hitting the second shot in, and there's these bunkers that are, are maybe about 20, 30 yards short of the green that you can fly over and chase onto the green that's multi-tiered. You've got quite a nasty bunker flanking it to the left, the sort of famous island bunker to the right of the green. And it's a pretty slippery green from back to front. It's just a wonderful hole and a great setting with us. You know, the big old traditional clubhouse right behind the green there as well. Well, are you happy with your 18? <laughs> I am. I think, I, I, think the, I think it's par 70. So I think the front nine's 37, back nine 33, par 70. It maybe doesn't flow perfectly as a golf course, but it'd definitely be fun to play. Well said. Well, I think that seems like a good place to leave it. Simon, thank you very much. My pleasure. It's great to catch up. There you go. That was Simon Holt speaking to Golf Monthly's Neil Tappin. Elliot, have you played any of the holes that he mentioned there? Ah, good one, Tom. Well, you know I haven't. So uh, go on then. Which, which holes have you played there? Uh, well, I very luckily, of course, played on Gloucester National and the 12, which he, he mentioned. when uh, And didn't I did all right on that hole, <laughs> which was one of the rarities at Augusta when I played, um, with a, just a bogey, and I probably should have parred it, to be honest with you. Um, and I've also played Sunningdale as well, so a couple of fantastic holes that he mentioned. Out of all those courses, which one would you love to play the most? Uh, oh, that's so difficult. I, I would probably just be a bit boring here and just say St Andrew's Old Course. Uh, we, we had a trip to go there during lockdown, and obviously it was cancelled, and I was absolutely gutted because that would have been probably one of the best days of my life, I reckon. So, uh so yeah, I'd, I'd love to play the old course one day. And to be fair, just even go to St Andrews and just soak up the atmosphere uh, of, of what is apparently just a pure golfing town. So perhaps one day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been to St Andrews, but I've never played the old course either. So uh, yeah, that was a bit annoying, wasn't it? But I'm sure there'll be future opportunities. I'm sure. I'm sure. So talking of the future, let's look ahead to this week. So as mentioned, the FedEx Cup plans begin. And we've also got the first ladies major of 2020 as well as the Wales Open. So a busy, busy week of golf ahead. So we're going to start in America with the Northern Trust, which is the first event of the Fed Cup playoffs. It's been played at TPC Boston, where the top 125 players in the FedEx Cup standings all tiered up. The top 70 in the rankings will then progress to next week's BMW Championship, which is being played at Olympia Fields in Chicago. Patrick Reed won this event last year, although it was, of course, played at a different course at Liberty National. Uh, good news, Tiger Woods plays this week. He's 49th in the FedEx Cup, so he needs a good result this week um, or, or next to qualify for the end-of-season tour championship at Eastlake. Uh, there's also a very strong field with the likes of McIlroy, Thomas, Morikawa and DeChambeau all teeing it up. Who do you fancy to do well this week, Elliot? Uh, the the first person that came out to was Adam Scott. I think he, he got the rust off last week or... Yeah, it was last week, wasn't it, at the PGA, uh, or perhaps a week and a half ago. I think finished like 22nd, which was his first start since lockdown. And uh, yeah, I, I quite fancy him, still playing great golf and played pretty well at the PGA. And I, yeah, I think he won at this course as well in 2003. Yeah. Not yeah, that I, that really matters or makes any difference, but you know. 
Well, I think it's sometimes you know we do see players who play very well at the same course. He, he's obviously he looks like a pretty decent odds at fifty to one as well. I think we probably have to mention that Rory's obviously played played and won here twice in the past, and um, he's obviously in the field. He's fourteen to one, you know, which is pretty good value for him. Um, I think we have to mention Colin Morikawa, don't we? Uh, you know, yeah. this is his first uh, event that he's playing as a major champion. We'll see if there's a bit of extra pressure on him or actually he still flourishes and plays in the incredible way that he has been doing uh, anyway. Uh, and what about Tiger? Eh? What about Tiger Woods? You know, he, he looked like he was getting into some kind of form at the PGA Championship as the event went through. Oh. And, you know, he's 40 to 1 this week. Yeah, completely. Uh, I don't want anybody to write off Tiger Woods. I think he's he's playing great stuff. He uh, he just putted terribly for two rounds. That's all it was. His swing looked really nice. His uh, body looked looked quite well and fit. So, so, yeah, I definitely don't think you can write Tiger Woods off this week or perhaps even, you know, throughout the next three weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I think also someone else who I think should mention is Paul Casey as well because... Uh, he had a very good PGA Championship. Of course, he didn't quite get the job done, but he's, uh, you know, from ha- having played not that many events this year, his game, again, looked in a very good place. And he's also around 40 to 1. So um, do check out all our betting tips for the Northern Trust just by Googling golf betting tips and clicking on the Golf Monthly links or go to the Golf Monthly website, golf-monthly.co.uk. Next up, let's talk about the AIG Women's Open. Uh, it's the first women's major of 2020 taking place at Fantastic Royal Troon. Uh, this tournament has a new name this year after previously being known as the Women's British Open. Japan's Hinako Shibuno, a.k.a. the Smiling Cinderella, won last year at Woburn. Um, who do you think is going to do well in this first major for the ladies? Well, the, the first lady that jumps off the page for me would be Jodie Hewitt-Shadoff. I think she was third a few years ago the year before Georgia Hall won, and uh, she's in really good form. I think she had two top fives in the States before this event. So, so yeah, um, I, would, I would go for her, a Solheim Cup player as well. Yeah, and I, I think we should all mention, a, I'm going to mention a few of the, the British names who are going to be in contention. Uh, Gemma Dryberg, who uh, won the Rose Ladies Series event, which was played at a Lynx course at Royal St George's. And of course, actually won two of the events in that. I think she's in very decent form, and she's actually very long odds as well, about 250 to 1. Um, Georgia Hall, of course, looked like she was in very good form at the uh, the back end of the Rose Ladies series and also won two events, and of course, is a former winner of the event. And also, I think we've got to, of course, mention Charlie Hull as well, who actually won the whole of the Rose Ladies series and, again, looked to be in very good form. So I think we'd all love to see another British winner of this event. Um, do you think those th- those three guys are going to be the, the the Brits with the best chance of doing well? Yeah, you would definitely have to say that. Uh, obviously, played a lot of golf in the Rose Lady series, and, and these these uh, three. Well, I guess Dryberg left halfway through, but but especially Hall and Hull, they were right at it the whole way. So yeah, um, looking at the uh, the odds, actually, I think women's golf in in Britain is in a very good place at the moment because really you'd have to say Hull and Hall are probably two of the favourites. Obviously there are some great players worldwide and they're not right at the top of the rankings but on a Lynx course in the Women's Open you'd have to fancy those two. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're hopefully going to do very well and and, um, of course the event is being shown live on Sky Sports as well, isn't it Elliot? 
yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing the postage stamp. And uh, yeah, I, I love Tarun. It was an amazing open in 2016. So it'd be really good to see it this week with the girls. Absolutely. And, you know, that's when obviously Stenson and, and Mickelson played that incredible final round. I was very lucky to be there. Uh, Troon is a fantastic golf course. You know, it should be spoken higher in, in when people talk about the best golf courses in uh, in the UK. So uh, really looking forward to seeing it again. And um, I, I really hope to see some great golf. And hopefully the weather's good up there as well, because I know we've all been uh, suffering with nutty weather, haven't we, recently? So, um, oh, hopefully one day it rains, though. They've got to have yeah. some tough conditions. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Uh, then let's move on to the Wales Open. So Celtic Manor again hosts this week uh, with the first Wales Open since 2014. It stopped after a 15-year deal between the Tour and Celtic Manor, which included staging the 2010 World Cup. Um, but it's great to be back again at Celtic Manor. Obviously, they did play it uh, at the same course uh, last week. Uh, it's the penultimate event of the UK Swing with the Belfry hosting the UK Championship next week. And there's a bit of a stronger field, I'd say, this week, wouldn't you, Elliot? Yeah, definitely. It's really good to see that Houghton Lee and Robert McIntyre have come back from the States. So uh, automatically, they've gone right to the top of the favourites list. And probably rightly so. I mean, I mean, McIntyre had a good PGA and Houghton Lee had an even better PGA. So, yeah, we're definitely fancy those two. But there were so many good players um, in form last week at Celtic Manor and it'd be interesting to see if they can continue that form or perhaps, you know, they burnt themselves out last week. I don't know. Like like Conor Sign, for example, I think he's 50 to 1 mm. and he had a fantastic chance to win last week. Yeah, and, and there's some other people that played. I think Thomas Peters played pr- pretty well last week, didn't he? And he he's, he's pretty much one of the favourites at about 10 or 11 to 1. So, um, you know, I think there's going to be some some really good golf again this week again hopefully the weather is good for them down at Celtic Manor uh, I think yeah I think everyone will be interested to see Robert McIntyre playing playing again he's about 18 to 1 so um, yeah absolutely so that looks like another good event and loads of great golf this week isn't there Fan- loads and loads and uh, it's just going to be a huge amount so uh, let's hope that the weather does stay good and we get to see lots and lots of it um, of course, for all our betting tips for all the events uh, this week, do check out the Golf Monthly website, golf-monthly.co.uk, and do follow our social media channels at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. Elliot, are you playing any golf this week? Yes, playing on Sunday, so looking forward to that with uh, a group of lads who uh, I'm, I'm mates with most of them, but we, we kind of get in a bigger group now, and they are absolutely obsessed with golf at the moment. They've always been casual golfers. Uh, some of them have only literally just started. And, uh, yeah, I guess it just goes with with the rest of the golfing world that after lockdown, the sport is absolutely thriving. And these guys, are they're constantly texting me for advice on what clubs they should buy and do I want to go to the driving range. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's just so good to see uh, these guys getting the golf bug. And I'm, I'm sure you know some people that are getting into golf and listeners, you, you probably know people too, so... Yeah, it's in a great place at the moment. Absolutely. I mean, the golf has come out of uh, everything that's happened in the world, you know, in, in I think, a very strong position. Um, and let's just hope that they, we can continue to do that and everyone finds and finds out a bit more, more about the game that we all love and uh, and enjoy because uh, it is a great game, isn't it? You know, and there's so many different ways to enjoy it. So uh, nice way to finish, Elliot, I think, there. So uh, look forward to hearing about your golf next week. 
And we'll also, of course, uh, find out who won the uh, the first major of the year for the ladies. Uh, as ever, thanks for listening. Please do subscribe to the podcast uh, via your usual provider. And until next week, we'll speak to you then. <laughs>